0: Well, let me say that it's a joy and a delight to be with you. It became apparent to me this morning that in all the texting Justin and I did back and forth that I failed to ask him what to wear. So if I seem overdressed to you with a tie and jacket, don't let that distract you in any way as we uh, study the Word of God Together, You know, it's no surprise that oftentimes life in this fallen, broken world is difficult, it's discouraging, and it's exhausting. Where do you go when you try to be a loving spouse and your uh, mate does not seem to appreciate it and you really don't get much back in return in your marriage? Where do you go? Where do you go when your teenager breaks your heart by his or her rebellion and poor choices? Where do you go when you go out of your way to do your very best at your job and it is not noticed or appreciated or you even get laid off? Where do you go when kids at school pretend to be your friend and behind your back they cut you down. Where do you go when you have an ongoing medical condition that is painful and hard to bear? Well, the text that we're going to study this morning tells us where we are to go. It's from Matthew 11:28 28 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I believe that a good way for us to study these three verses is by asking and answering five questions. What gracious invitation, question number one, does Jesus put before us? Well, as we see in verse 28, Jesus invites us to come to him. But what specifically does that mean? In the original context, Jesus was inviting people to follow him and to commit themselves to him. All throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we see the religious leaders wrangling with Jesus. They don't like it that he hasn't received formal religious education as they had. They don't like it that he seems to welcome sinners to him. They don't like it that he didn't encourage people to follow all of their traditions The Pharisees were legalistic, and they laid all kinds of heavy burdens on people. And so Jesus is saying, don't follow them. Come to me. And this is the same gospel invitation that goes out year after year, decade after decade, century after century. Uh, The Lord Jesus bids sinners to come to him for forgiveness and for cleansing. Uh, He's saying, trust in my sacrificial death, trust in the righteous life that uh, I lived as the only thing, not your performance, not your behavior, but it's the only thing that will make you acceptable with God. But what does it mean for us as believers to come to him? Well, for sure it means to bring all our concerns, all our anxieties, all our failures to him. The old hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, that I don't hear sung much anymore, calls us to bring our sins and our griefs to Jesus. The hymn further reminds us what a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. And so when Jesus invites us as believers to come to him, he wants us to carry on a running conversation with him all throughout the day. When our spouse disappoints us, when our children break our hearts, when our friends betray us, when we struggle with ongoing physical problems and medical issues, Jesus wants us to come to him and to talk with him about it. And as we come, of course, we're not informing the Lord of things of which he does not know. He's omniscient. He knows all things. But as we come, we are bringing our hearts to one, as we shall see, who wants us to honestly share all of our hurts, all of our failures. Jesus does does not want us to hurt and to struggle alone. And so he bids us to come and to speak to him in prayer. And as he speaks to us through his word, by giving us the comfort and the wisdom that we need. So Jesus invites us to come. The next question, the second one we should ask is who is to come? And Jesus answers this question as we see in verse 28. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Now, we need to understand that Jesus didn't speak Greek in his earthly ministry. He spoke Aramaic and probably Hebrew. But as Matthew recorded Jesus' words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote in Greek. And the word labor and heavy laden are synonyms. They're very close in meaning. They describe a person who's tired, who is worn out and exhausted from the burdens that he or she bears in life. And as we have indicated already, these burdens may be difficult relationships, difficult circumstances, hurts that we've endured, and past sins that continue to trouble us. What Jesus is telling us is this. Wherever you are, come. I will not reject hurting, broken sinners who come. So often we think we have to kind of clean up our act to do better before we can come to Jesus with our troubles. And Jesus is saying, no. All who labor and are heavy laden, no matter for what reason." Come to me just as you are. Well, this prompts the third question. What does Jesus promise those who come? Look at the end of verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The word that Matthew chose for rest means relief or refreshment. And when Jesus promised rest to those uh, who come, he wasn't promising an easy life. He wasn't promising a life of inactivity or or, or freedom from sorrow or struggle. Uh, Jesus was promising inner rest and peace. Even in the midst of heavy burdens, we may be bearing. And we know this is true because at the end of verse 29, Jesus says, you will find rest for your souls. So he's promising inner rest, inner peace. He's not promising an easy life, a prosperous life, like the prosperity um, gospel preachers preach. Uh, I'm reminded of the true story of a lady in hospice care struggling with the last stages of um, cancer. Her family gathered around her bed and they asked how she was doing. And this dear Christian lady responded, on the outside, full of agony and pain, but on the inside, full of peace and joy. That's the kind of rest that Jesus promises those who come to him. Inner peace and rest that results from knowing that God is in control of the details of our lives. Almost two years ago, in August of 2021, my wife of 53 years, died suddenly within a week. A week before, we were riding our bikes down at the beach on a Wednesday, and by the next Thursday, she died of sepsis. If you ask me, are you sad sometimes, Jerry? Yes. Are you lonely sometimes, Jerry? Yes. Are you depressed? Never. Do you have peace in your heart and life? Yes. Providentially, the year before Janet passed, I bought John Piper's big, thick book on the providence of God and read time and time again how God's providence is where he controls every aspect of our lives. Shortly after my wife passed away, I went to my family doctor for my yearly um, physical. And he said, you know, it's not wrong to be angry with God. Just don't lose contact with him. And I looked at him and I said, why would I be angry with God? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? No, I'm not angry with God. God is a good God, a sovereign God. And in his providence, he does all things well. Well, As we move into verse 29, this prompts a fourth question. What did Jesus command of those who would come to him? And the Lord commands all of those who come to him to take his yoke. Probably everyone here understands that a yoke is a wooden collar that was laid across the shoulders of a pair of oxen, which enabled them to pull enormous weights. Now, obviously, Jesus is using this in a symbolic way as a a metaphor for discipleship. Being yoked up to Jesus means that we have submitted ourselves to his lordship in our lives. And we believe that he is committed to us to be our friend, to be our companion as we travel through life. So we're, we're never alone in our struggles in our discouragements, in our disappointments, in our trials. There is one who is yoked up to us that always walks along with us. Jesus has promised never to leave us or forsake us, never to leave us to our own resources. He is yoked up to us, bearing our burdens with him, And as we are yoked up to Jesus, he also commands us, learn from me. The word mathete is the verb that we get, the noun disciple. Now, notice that as Jesus calls us to be yoked up to him and to learn from him, he is not trying to tell us to imitate him by our own moral resolve. No, he's saying, learn from me. Learn from the revelation that I will give you through my apostles in my word. Now, remember that as believers, we have a real personal relationship with Jesus because he is our personal risen Savior. When we talk to him in prayer. It's not just saying words into the air. We are speaking to the real, living, personal Savior. And he speaks to us through his words. It's unlike any other book. A personal, living God is using his inscripturated word to breathe encouragement and hope into our lives. And so this is what it means when Jesus says, learn from me. And this is how we experience rest in the most difficult and troubling situations. We are yoked up to Jesus. We pour our hearts out to him in prayer. And he speaks to us through his word, by his spirit, and we find rest for our souls. Now as we continue in verse 29, a fifth the last question confronts us. In the midst of all of our struggles and pain, why should we we be yoked up to Jesus? And Jesus tells us, because he is gentle and lowly in heart. Dane Ortland, in his excellent book, Gentle and Lowly, and I hope some of you have read it, reminds us that in the 89 chapters that make up the four Gospels, This is the only place where Jesus shares his own heart. When the Bible uses the word heart, it is referring to the animating center of all that we do. Our heart defines who we are, and our heart directs us. When Jesus is telling us that he is gentle and lowly in heart, he is saying that at his very core, He is humble and mild and tender and gracious. He is saying that he is always accessible. He's telling us that he is always approachable. He's never impatient with those who are slow to learn, nor is he intolerant with those who seem to continually stumble and fall. He doesn't throw his hands up in the air, or roll his eyes in frustration. And so why would we want to struggle alone when we're invited to come to the one who is so loving, so humble, and so caring? The third verse of what a friend we have in Jesus reads, Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, uh, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Jesus tells us that he's the good shepherd and that he lovingly uh, goes out looking for stray sheep. He lovingly, when we're hurting, uh, takes us into his arms and comforts us. He's a gentle, lowly shepherd. He never beats his sheep. Jesus goes on to say that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Whether we know it or not, Every one of us is yoked up to something which we think will bring us happiness and meaning and purpose in life. It could be desiring a full marriage. It could be having everyone like us. It could be a successful career. It could be thinking that good health is our right. You know, self, What we want is often at the center of these things. Self-centeredness leads to a life of complaining rather than a life of thankfulness. You know, I had to ask that question to myself this week. Do you live a life of complaining, Jerry? Do you complain about traffic? about the price of gas, about um, politicians in Washington, about long waits at the doctor or dentist's office. Complaining and impatience are signs that we are not yoked up to the Lord Jesus, but that we are being governed by self. And so I had to look the Lord. I had to come to the one who is a gentle shepherd and say, you know, lately my life has been a lot about complaining, and it does show that I'm not really yoked up to you. Forgive me and cleanse me. You know, we don't seem to understand what a great burden our self-centeredness is. We fail to see how exhausting the misery of self is. What a terrible burden self is. And so Jesus tells us, come to me, take my yoke upon me. Have me at the center of your life. And as you do, you will find that it is not burdensome to be yoked up to me. I'm a tender friend who will always welcome you with my presence. Dane Ortland reminds us, it's one thing to know the doctrines of the incarnation and the atonement and a hundred vital doctrines. It's another more searching matter to know Christ's heart for you. When everything else is crumbling around you in your life, when you feel stuck, remember the most gracious invitation of the Lord Jesus. Jesus bids you to come to him. His heart is for you, the real you, wherever you are. His heart is lowly and gentle, and so come to him. Honestly share your struggles. Honestly share your sin your broken heart. You don't have to live a life of pretense or posturing with this gentle and lowly friend. You can be honest and real with Jesus. You know, your immediate circumstances may not change at all, but you will change as you come to Jesus and experience his love and grace you will come to realize that your life is in his hands and that you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, even though that you are king of the universe, you're high and lifted up in glory, you tell us about your heart, what you are. You're lowly and gentle You're humble and loving. You're a good shepherd who loves to take wounded and hurting sheep into your arms, as it were, and minister grace to them. So I pray, Lord, that realizing who you are and all of your gentleness and loneliness, that we would no longer live lives of pretense and posturing, but we would be real and honest and open with you, confident that as we come to you and pour out our hearts, we indeed will find rest for our souls. And all for your sake and all for your glory, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing Satisfied.